0: It has been a few years since I learned the story of Thanksgiving then taught in elementary schools. I don't remember much about it, and when I think about Thanksgiving today, I don't think about it as relating to the pilgrims. I think about it as a day of thanks. Somehow that connection has not been made. But today I want to talk about the history of Thanksgiving in this country. They were cold and they were tired. It had been a long, hard trip on the Mayflower. I think those of us today who get in cars or get go through TSA at the airports, you know, no matter what the, the traffic jams are, it's not the same as, as a trip on a boat uh, that is several months long, and uh, the food's not very good, and the boat is rolling, and um, it, and and they lost two people. It, you know, deaths aboard those boats I think were not uncommon. They were landing off the coast of Massachusetts, uh, not Virginia, where they had intended to go to. Those of you who have remembered your geography. That's quite a major difference. Uh, and not only is it is it a difference in terms of geography, think of the difference in climate. difference in climate. They weren't prepared for the Massachusetts climate. They were going where very few uh, Europeans had gone before. So much has been written about that first Thanksgiving, but it's hard to know what the whole truth was. There's only one contemporaneous short reference to that particular meal, and it's only a p- paragraph or so. Some historians describe the pilgrims on the ship as belonging to a fanatical set sect of Puritans who believe that Armageddon was coming. You can see that not much has changed. That there, you know, it seems like this, these Armageddon theories that are things that come across in cycles, you know, generation after generation. They saw themselves as fighting a holy war against Satan when they met anyone who disagreed with them. It is said that they came to this country for commercial purposes, uh, intending to wrest the land, I mean deliberately intending to come and take the land from the natives to build their own prophesied holy kingdom where everybody would have to practice their religion, freedom of religion for me. But they were not prepared for what they found. I I can't imagine that my life has been too soft, I think. I've traveled a good deal, but never to such wild, uncharted territory. And I do not travel believing that God is directing my steps. That is not my theology. I don't believe in the God who rejects all strangers. Still, I think I can imagine something of their feelings toward people who were so different. Their culture was so different. Their beliefs were so different. Who had no schooling in the sense that they were used to. No brick houses, no grand churches. The natives, a confederation of indigenous groups called the Wampanoag, and I'm probably horribly mispronouncing that, have lived in this country for thousands and thousands of years. It was a home in ways we, I think, cannot understand, we who think that two or three or four hundred years of history is a long time, but the connection with the land that they had, they had lived in for thousands and thousands of years, their parents, their grandparents, their are back and back and back. They already, at this point, had some knowledge of white men and women, Europeans from Spain, Portugal, France, had fished their shores for years before the pilgrims came in 1620. Just a few years earlier, a boat had come, carted some of them off as slaves, dragging them off to England. At least one of them, a native now most often called Squanto, had managed somehow to return to tell the story. And I would love to know how that happened. It seems impossible to think that someone who was taken to Europe as slaves somehow managed to come back. Uh, a free man. The Native Americans, too, were considered themselves to be a religious people. I don't want to romanticize them. They also had people they considered their enemies. They were human. They were imperfect, like all of us. But there is some evidence to suggest that their god was a more generous, more inclusive god than that of the pilgrims. Theirs was a god who had given the land to all the people, not just them, but to other tribes and to these strange, rather scary people who had come out of the ocean. Their religion taught them that they were to give charity to the helpless and hospitality to anyone who came to them with empty hands. The Europeans settled on the site of a village abandoned by natives, most of whom had died from diseases brought to them by the the. Uh, previous visitors from Europe. It was December when the immigrants arrived. December, end of harvest season, beginning of snow. Uh, it was already winter, well into winter in December in Massachusetts. They were probably glad to have a place that was at least cleared, but the winter was cold and deadly. They lost nearly half of their 100 people, burying them at night so as not to let those whom they called Indians know of their weaknesses. The Wapenag watched them through the winter. Squanto, who probably knew more English, can you imagine coming here and encountering someone, a native, who actually spoke their language? I mean, I, I, I understand that some of them thought that that was a sign that God had favored them, that there was someone uh, who knew English. He probably knew more English than any other Indian in North America at that time, And he generously decided to stay with the pilgrims for the next few months and teach them the basics, the rudiments of survival. He taught them how to cultivate corn and other new vegetables and how to build Indian-style houses. He pointed out poisonous plants and showed how other plants could be used as medicine, explained how to dig and Cook clams. That's the beginning of the clam bake, I guess. How to get sap from the maple trees, use fish for fertilizers, and dozens of other skills needed for their survival. Both the Europeans and the natives had a tradition of Thanksgiving rituals. They didn't necessarily call them Thanksgiving, but but days set aside for giving thanks. In the European tradition, it wasn't necessarily feasting. It was often a fasting uh, of being humble in the face of abundance. When the Europeans brought in a bountiful harvest that second year they believed that God had blessed them. They began to speak with the natives about as they thought of it regularizing their relationship which meant that they would have title, would have, have um, a, a legal right to the land that they owned, which, of course, was not at all something that was um, part of the, the native tradition. They proposed a celebration, inviting Squanto, his friend, and Massaswat, their chief, and their families, to join them as they discussed the terms of the agreement. When 90 natives responded to this invitation, nearly twice the Europeans' number, the Europeans had not prepared enough food, Seeing this, the chief gave orders to his men within the first hour to go home and get more food. They brought back the majority of the food. Five deer, wild turkeys, fish, beans, squash, corn soup, cornbread, and berries. Captain Standish sat at one end of a long table. Captain Chief Massaswat said at the other, Apparent equals for a brief moment in history. It is this uneasy and short moment of celebration and peace, which if we think about it, and I suspect in our schools, is still taught as, as the, the, uh, the initial Thanksgiving Day celebration, although that holiday was not celebrated until 1898, several hundred years later. But there's a large measure of arbitrariness and myth about this choice. Many cultures had celebrated Thanksgiving long before that day in 1621. There had been prior occasions of Thanksgiving in this country. And there were going to be many more before Congress established a national holiday in 1891. But it was this meal that grabbed people's hearts. Grabbed it, I believe, because this is the way we who were the winners wished it had been. Wished we had been. It was a myth, but myths often have truth in them. It was a myth that said much about the longings that come from the best of us, but it is a myth in this case that covers up the worst in us. Shortly after that particular Thanksgiving celebration, a smallpox epidemic wiped out the majority of the Wapanong Indians. Some say that Europeans purposely, purposely distributed diseased blankets to the unsuspecting natives, thus wiping out entire villages. In the written text of the Thanksgiving sermon delivered at Plymouth just two years later, the preacher, Matthew the Elder, gave special thanks to God for that devastating plague. He praised God for destroying chiefly young men and women and children, the very seeds of increase, thus clearing the forest to make wetter, way for a better growth. In other words, thanks for the devastation, God. We really appreciate it. Uh, it was really nice of you to make it so easy for us to now take over this land for ourselves. A generation later, after the balance of power had indeed shifted, The Indian and white children of that Thanksgiving were striving to kill each other in the genocidal conflict known as King Philip's War. At the end of that conflict, most of the New England Indians were either exterminated brutally, refugees among the French in Canada, or sold into slavery in the Carolinas by the pilgrims. I love Thanksgiving. It is... I don't know, Christmas is probably still my favorite holiday, but Thanksgiving is certainly way up there. Uh, One of the reasons that I love the church is that it allows me, sets aside a time in my week to remember the abundance of my life, even when things aren't going well, to remember that really my, my life is amazingly blessed. I love Thanksgiving too because it brings much of my extended family together. I am fortunate as an adult to have an extended family that can gather in peace and love. That was not always the case. And I suspect there are probably a few witnesses in this congregation. Thanksgiving uh, can be a time of challenge for some of us. But Thanksgiving nags at me. I have never had much contact with Native Americans. There haven't been many that I knew of in the communities I've lived in during my lifetime. Of course, there were once. But the connection of Thanksgiving to my ancestors' shameful relationship to Native Americans is personal to me because of a story my father told me once many years ago. He, in turn, had heard the story from his own father. The Hubble side of my family has a... If you go back far enough, there's there's a general... And this particular general had been involved in a, a war in which he had slaughtered many people he and, his, and had encouraged his troops to do so, uh, including deliberately killing women and children. A court of inquiry was held that asked him why he felt it was necessary to go after the women and children as well. He responded... Mits breed fleas Mits breed fleas in other words even tiny eggs develop into troublesome dangerous adults my dad remembered that he and his dad had laughed when he first heard the story laughed my dad was ashamed of that memory And I am ashamed of that incident, incident too. I'm not the one who said those terrible words. I didn't do those terrible things. I didn't even laugh by the time I heard the story. But I know that I live well, in part because of those terrible actions several hundreds of years ago. In my life, I have taken up other causes, but I have not worked to alleviate the injustice and suffering of my native brothers and sisters. We as a nation have yet to sit down as equals with those brothers and sisters who would have shared this land with us had we not demanded sole ownership. This week Thanksgiving rolls around again. I am thankful to have another chance to see relatives who stay at, in touch at least one day a year, who are kind to each other and generous, I am thankfully anticipating our turkey dinner, pumpkin pie and ice cream, for 40 and a lovely drive through the hills of Pennsylvania and New York and Massachusetts. I am thankful for the warm houses where we will stay, for cars that make a 400-day trip, a one-day possible trip, for the beauty of the earth and the splendor of the skies. But I think there is another side of Thanksgiving that we must not forget. Joys and sorrows. Every week we remember that never or rarely does joy come without sorrow. Rarely does Thanksgiving come without mourning. Thanksgiving can remind us of our joys even as we remember its tragedies and vow to do better. The wampanags gather each year at Thanksgiving for a day of mourning. Can we not mourn as we give thanks I am not ready to give up thanksgiving it is a deep and wide impulse felt by many cultures in many lands the myth we have created for it is to call to ourselves to seat everyone at the table all souls worthy all souls welcome that is the myth of our country that is the theology of this church we must not lose the truth in that myth but I am coming to believe that we must hold the other side of Thanksgiving in our hearts at the same time. The other story of who we have been alongside of who we wish we had been, who we wish we were, who we long to be. Mourning must precede celebration. Fasting must precede hope. I invite all of us to take some time this Thanksgiving and every Thanksgiving in prayer and fasting. Remembering the sins of all of our parents as well as their courage and generosity. Remembering our own sins as well as our courage and generosity. As I write this sermon, and you know, I, I tell you that when I write sermons I'm usually writing to myself as well, of course, as to you. I reflected on, on what this means for me and, and, and what I might do to move myself a step further. I it's not much and I'm sure not everyone in this room will agree with me. Um I'm a football fan. I no one who knows me well thinks that's that's they're a little surprised at that, but I am a football fan. Um, so my response has been this week to research the controversy over the name of the Washington Redskins. It's it's perhaps more complicated than I thought it might be in the beginning but this week I wrote a letter asking Owner Dan Snyder to change its name I'm going to stamp it this afternoon and I'm going to mail it before I leave for Massachusetts and I drug in John because I knew that he, his good old liberal heart would, <laughs> would support me in this how can we help we won't all do the same thing and my gosh I know that We can't all do everything. But in the midst of our abundance, let us hold in our hearts those who struggle this Thanksgiving. May we find this time a new commitment to see where we are participating in injustice today. May we learn from the Thanksgiving story a new understanding of neighbor, a new commitment to love, a new compassion for all souls.